Today's podcast was brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash pixelsiv. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hello and thank you for joining us on episode 64 of Pixel Civ. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts Scott and Johnny. Yeah, I'm running things today, so Johnny can <laughs> hey, hey. go home. What's your name, is. by the way? I didn't, I didn't catch oh, yeah, that my name's Mitch. at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> okay, also on today's show, we're joined by Daniel Sun from Sun Studios. He's, he's here to talk about his latest project, Armed with Wings, Rearmed. How are you, Daniel? I'm good. Welcome. Um, hi, everyone. <laughs> All right, we'll hear much more from Daniel later on in the show. Other than that, what else have we got today, Johnny? Yep, we'll be taking a closer look at Marathon Gaming. It's a really good way to raise money for charities, um, but does it have some downsides? And are people putting themselves at risk of harm? Yes, yes. Thank you, G. The Nintendo Switch has already begun landing in people's hot little hands, but the reaction and overall attitude towards the much-hyped new console hasn't been entirely favourable We'll be discussing the ins and outs of this mixed reception in our last, oh, and our final topic today. Wicked, let's check it out. Gaming marathons have been the main way that players use the games they love for a good cause. But what are the consequences of subjecting yourself to the sleep deprivation of a 24-hour or even a 48-hour session? Sadly, we got the answer to that question last week when popular live streamer Brian Vin Yolt, a.k.a. Poshy Breed, passed away while using his stream to raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Look, it's uh, very popular. It's a good way to kind of keep people on the line and watching you. But what do we think about, uh, you know, this sort of hobby or i guess this method of using uh twitch and live streaming to uh jump in and uh raise some money well well the marathon the idea of marathoning something in the name of a good cause is not new i mean there are people at telethon here in perth that ride a, on a on a kind of like a stationary bicycle for 24 hours straight or they kind of just do a marathon in the name of um a charitable foundation and i think gaming is just something that is relatively new to the medium and I'm sure bad things have happened in regards to other people that have deprived themselves from sleep or taken up an extensive physical challenge in in the name of a charity but I guess this is the first time gaming has really experienced it with the 24-hour live stream so it's really hitting the community pretty hard. Well, in regards to charity anyway, um, of course, uh, there's been heaps on um, way too many deaths from extended gaming periods. I mean, you could call them marathons. Um, the, there's a bunch of lists. I won't go into them right now. We might have t- a bit of time later. Um, but the idea of doing anything for an extended period of time, like you said, has been around for ages. You had, you know, competitions to see who could, you know, keep their hand on the car the longest before they, whatever. Um, and it comes with its risks. There was even a, a competition uh, a few years back to, is 2007, of who could drink the most water for some competition. And um, a lady died from that, of course, from, you know, overwatering. Uh, water intoxication, I think they call it. Um, so, you know, there's, there's always risks when you start pushing things into the extreme levels. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, gaming's in the spotlight for it at the moment. I think that's the I reason why. I think the why. same... 
well, that's the reason why people yeah. like donate because someone is going through this trial and it's for a good cause. And it, it, otherwise, it would seem quite <clears throat> uh, weird yeah. and a little bit. Well, there's no reason why you would do it, but because it's for a good cause, it is something that we need to like we'll celebrate and support. That's exactly what I was going to say, Mitch. Basically, that you know there is the novelty of watching somebody do something that is challenging and it is hard to play games for 28 hours or 48 hours in a row. Um, and it gets entertaining because you get sort of, you know, an interesting look into like raw humanity of someone trying to make this happen. Um, and that's why people do it. And that's why it works. I mean, some of the charity streams that I've seen that have worked really well, um, you know, awesome games done quick, for example, uh, where they raise a lot of money for stuff. Um, they have like teams of people and they uh, have a lot of people who kind of shift in and out. Um, and that's a good way to kind of balance it. So you can have plenty of stuff still happening for people watching, but that way you're not completely burning yourself out, um, you know, for a good cause. Yeah. So on that burnout idea, um, you know, the, the proper streamers that are doing this for extended periods of time, you know, your, your man versus game, et cetera, like that, um, you know, they take certain th- uh, t- certain responsibilities upon themselves to make sure they're in a condition that's going to be able to last that time. Um, you know, there's lots of things available on Reddit and Arena Junkies with advice of how to, you know, prepare yourself for these kind of things, you know, making sure you're eating the right things, even having a physical beforehand, see if you've got any health problems that this could push over the limit. Uh, you know, making sure you get a certain amount of rest and or exercise in, you know, not not eating badly, you know, even your choice of, um, you know, drugs. And I mean that in a legal way as well, your caffeines and your sugars and et cetera. If you're doing things for a cert- doing these things for such a long time, then you will go through the ups and downs of, you know, irritability, withdrawals and all sorts of issues and, you know, increased heart rate and pressure on your body. It's It, it seems like a simple and fun thing that harks back to our days of, you know, being young and staying up all night and playing video games, but it is a serious, uh, you know, thing that people are undergoing. Yeah, health and gaming is something that we've wanted to touch on for a while, and I think my main tip is just like have a glass of water next to you, and if it's empty, go refill it. Yeah, because I, it, it that helps not only you know keep you alert, but it also kind of helps you feel better while you're gaming. To be honest, I'd love to hear Dan's thoughts on this topic. Yes, um, yeah, I've done a lot of. 24 hour not 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 gaming marathons but development sessions yeah okay um, and would never have thought that i would be at risk of dying so it's really uh you know it's shocking when you hear or even read the report that you know father of three has died yeah uh, 24 hour gaming marathon and you know so, the, and the thing that actually pushed him over the limit was um you know the over exhaustion the lack of sleep uh, and so it's something mm-hmm. that can kind of befall anybody anybody yeah, it's 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 actually frightening. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but most people aren't. I wonder if this is uh, something that should be addressed formally as a as a gaming marathon thing, or 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 broadly. I think broadly, just if you're going to do any sort of long stretch, then um, you know, I think probably it might be a good idea to inform people about. Yeah, it's you know, uh, make sure that. Maybe um, like just get them to check, you know, how, have you slept beforehand or have you had enough water or something like that. That's it. I, I think it just needs to be... prevent. Sorry, go on. Yeah, prevent these kind of prevent these kind of things in the future. Just just something to inform people that uh, people ha- wouldn't say it like this, but people have you know been hurt or died in the past. 
Yeah, I mean, people need to t- understand that what they're doing is actually quite serious and they need to kind of take some responsibility upon themselves to prepare themselves for their body for undergoing such a marathon uh, thing. But I mean, this this idea of long-time gaming and marathon gaming isn't anything new. Um, from the stuff I was looking up, the first deaths that I could go back to, unfortunately, uh, from gaming is in 1981. Uh, a couple of guys died from playing the robot killing machine uh, game Berserk. Okay. Which, which was a um, pretty cool little game from uh, from way back. And there's just a shopping list of stories from Korea and China and Taiwan. And most of these places are in internet cafes as well. And people, uh, you know, from 19 hours to like 22 days I saw on one, like ridiculous amounts of time. And I, again, it's just a little bit of personal responsibility. You need to look after yourself, man. Because you know, if you don't, you know, nobody will. And pretty much all these instances is just either sleep deprivation or malnourishment, pretty much. Absolutely. It, it, yeah. It's it's always something like that. It's always just a, 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 you know, a lack of care in some facet. Your body can only handle so much. And this is from people 18 through to 38, you know, so you're never too young to look after yourself and, you're, you know, you're never too old, of course. I think, uh, you know, you just need to think about it like this. You know, you're doing something for a good cause and let's let everyone celebrate the hard work that you do instead of, you know, mourning a, a tragedy uh, if, you, if you don't make it. Uh, and, you know, there are, there are charities that just kind of set themselves up for this kind of thing as well. There's, uh, there's one called Extra Life and that kind of puts together thousands of players around the world for 24-hour gaming marathons to support uh, Children's Miracle Network hospitals. It's been around since 2008 and has raised $30 million for hospitals. So, you know, that's probably a place that's doing it really well and they're a great example. Um, but, you know, with the rise of gaming and the, the more prolificness, uh, prolific state of uh, Twitch streaming and extended gaming, we, we do need to kind of bring this into the public life a little bit. I think mainly the encouragement of doing it as a team. I think yeah, the, yeah. The, the lone person challenging this kind of thing alone and by themselves, I think that that is the main danger. For sure. And kudos to you, but make sure you look after yourself because like Gianni said, we don't want to be, nobody wants to be mourning a death, especially when it was supposed to be for generally, I guess, preventing death. All right, let's jump into our next topic. Pixel Sift. It's not Pixel Sift. It's Pixel Sift. Pixel Sift. Daniel Sun joins us over the net to fill us in on the latest developments of his newest newest title, Armed with Wings, Rearmed. And for the uneducated, Daniel has for the uneducated, Daniel, could you give us a summary of Armed with Wings? Yes, Armed with Wings is a 2D action platformer series with a in a stylish black and white visual, similar to Limbo, but I'd like to think of it as Limbo meeting Super Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a flash game series that I started in 2008. And I made three main Armed of Wings games that were all Flash games that people could play for three for free. Um, Why did you um, switch over to to making a, a non Flash game? Um, I, well, I wanted to break into the Steam market. I didn't want to be doing free Flash games forever, even though I had you know started my game development career and was really rooted in in the browser and online games. But I knew I, I knew I needed to be on console eventually. But Steam is a is like a step towards that and so um and so i knew uh i've delivered three main games for the browser that people really really like um and i I feel like they'd like it even more on steam you know something that's a bit more um 
a bit more of a you know a solid game experience than you know something lighter that you'd get on Flash. A bit more tangible. What were some of the yeah? So what were some of the things about Flash games that really kind of inspired you to start making your own? The whole Newgrounds community is actually amazing. Like there's a lot of bad Flash. There was and is a lot of bad Flash stuff out there, um, but Newgrounds really kind of cultivated this really cool animator community and game developers as well a lot of people who um who uh started off as animators got into the game development side of things as it was a little bit easier to make money from in those days um what was the question again i tend to well what were some of your inspirations i guess you know inspirations the Newgrounds yeah. community fueled everything right so tom fob he'd be delivering really top flash games of course he's the, the the one of the guys behind the behemoth who does castle crashes but before castle crashes um there was alien hominid and yeah that was that was a huge flash game pico school was another huge one that was that was super early flash days yeah i used but, to spend um, a lot of time on new grounds <laughs> Yeah, it was, there was heaps of high-quality games on Newgrounds. Um, and then other portals as well, like uh, Armor Games was, was huge with um, pushing, pushing uh, these you know, high-quality browser games. And this is all before the App Store really kicked off and became huge. I like to think of um, you know, the, the Flash game market kind of turned into, turned into um, the App Store per se. Like it's that same kind of experience just far more accessible yeah because it's in everyone's now it's in everyone's hands instead of on their computers do you think um oh, well i noticed with the you know the latest demo that you had for um your pax build that you had last year you've now you've put it back up on Newgrounds and it's available to play there um are you happy that you can still like there's still capability to do that to make really nice rich games that exist on the web but also have the other side of that, having good uh, either you know console level games or or Steam level games. Super happy, yeah, super super happy. I really like that I was able to uh, rearmed on Steam is is still developed using Flash Tech, um, even though it's um, packaged as a desktop app. So I was able just to port that, not even port, just you know distribute the game to the browser, just a, a bite sized demo, um, and I get to lean on my roots by doing that, which is always good. Um, and I get to speak to that old um, Newgrounds community and the broader Flash, like Flash game community, whoever is interested in playing um, Flash games. I get to speak to them and tell them about my new exciting product on Steam. So how is the community on Newgrounds? I know, as you said, there are a lot of people have moved on from the, the browser-based Flash game era uh, that I remembered very <laughs> playing a lot of time in, in high school and, and primary school playing a lot of those games. Um, is that community still around? Are people still very passionate about that sort of thing? Or is it sort of just a community that started there and has now moved into different areas? Two sides to the community. There's like the content creator community and then there's the, um, I guess, the audience or the consumer um, community. And as far as uh, content creators... Uh, there are some of the older guys still around doing stuff. I'm sure that they're also focusing on YouTube as well. Um, there's some new younger blood, and I'm not really familiar with the artists and, and creators these days, but I, I definitely see a lot of um, uh, blog posts happening on Newgrounds. So people are uh, you know blogging about their work, not on their website, but on Newgrounds, which is um, how they're reaching an audience. There is still an audience. Uh, I still see comments. The homepage is getting updated frequently with new work. So 
it's a it's a definitely a good place for discoverability and that tells me that there's still an active community there what what's some of the i guess key differences and maybe the the challenges of of moving from this sort of browser based uh, where you've got something built in as a community i know discoverability is i guess one of the big problems that a lot of indie developers tend to sort of say is a roadblock in a st- uh, you know for them what are the challenges of moving to to a different platform mm, in terms of moving to another platform there yeah, discoverability definitely is a huge issue i would say um there was it was a lot easier to um to make one make money from ad revenue on the flash game market than there ever was um oh that's not ex- exactly true at all but uh generally for a for a small indie developer it's a lot easier to to make money from from a flash game than it you know is to roll a dice on the app store and launch a game alongside a hundred other games that day um there was good curation, really good curation, particularly on Newgrounds as well, because it's all curated by Tom Fault. What goes on that front page, he manages everything, um, not a robot or algorithm. So he'd put something up there, and then you, you would just you'd guarantee to get a certain amount of, of views, um, and especially in the older days, it was it was a lot easier, much easier than than the app store's ever been. That's for sure. Do you think the other platforms need that? Um, Steam is doing a good job, I think, with with curation. Um, especially considering the scale and the you know the size of of Steam, their library is huge as well, and they they need to be able to show off games um, that will sell and also show off new things as well. And I think they do a good job. I think the App Store, um, uh, I think the App Store is is a, is a really tough one because there's just so many games or so many apps being released, um, and I'm not sure if Apple or Android or, or Google do a really good job of um, discoverability there. So much so that user acquisition is, is a huge thing, paying for, um, for users to push you up the charts. Uh, that's, that's definitely a thing. And a lot of the big guys who are on mobile, like Marvel, I'm sure they're doing that. Uh, and it's super hard to compete. I found it really interesting that you said the you know the new grounds and that kind of flash community was a lot easier as a developer to mm. make you know some kind of money from it and, you know not not sort of profits but I'm sure some kind of money in compared to the, the way that we've got things going with the play uh, with the app store and whatever. Mm. Do you think there's room to for something new that isn't quite Steam but isn't quite App Store isn't quite Flash something? Do you think there's room to improve upon? Do you think mm. that the perfect kind of our platform is still kind of ready to be discovered? Um, no, I think we're doomed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's how, up, how optimistic of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, I think what, what made, um, the flash game market really good for discoverability, just extracting any value, whether it's views or, or money, yep, okay. it was a lot easier to extract that value. And I think because there were so many different portals like Newgrounds had or has, um, mm. you know, uh, what are the figures? I'm not even sure. But let's let's just say you know, a hundred thousand hits a day or something sure. like that. Um, uh, Armor Games would have maybe more. Congregate would have you know about the same. There was many websites that I could list heaps of portals. Mm. Congregate, Armor Game, Mini Clip was a huge one. Everyone remembers Mini Clip. Yep. Um, Addicting Games is massive. Um, there were there were were so much more. Now there's less, but there was so much. And all these high all these tra- all the, sorry all these websites had huge volumes of traffic. And a huge amount of games on the front page. 
I remember some of the some of the portals even had tiny little icons. They were able to fit how many games? Like I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 games on the home page as their featured content. And all of them were just you could just watch the views and refresh every minute and just see there's another hundred views. So there's another hundred views. So discoverability was really good because there were so many different portals. I don't see that happening on the App Store. I think on Android they've tried. Congregate had their own app, which was like its own game store. I think it got taken down eventually in the early days. Just to wrap up. Uh, in China, there are... Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I just thought hmm. we'd wrap up just to bring it back to your game. Um, so oh, if, yes. people, if people want to know more about your game, where can they find it? Um, armedwithwings.com. Excellent. Or and Dan, Google Armed with Wings Steam. And Dan, just one more question before, before we go. What is it about game development and, and making games that, you know, really excites you and kind of has kept you going for, for so long? Oh, that's a tough question. I've started to question. I've started to question that myself now, actually. <laughs> Are you thinking about um, kicking it, thinking, kicking it thinking out? about leaving? No, no, definitely not. Actually, um, interestingly, I thought about, uh, I do other work outside of games as well. And whenever I do that, I realize how much I need games. So I think it's, um, I think it's just, it's just fun. It's, it's all the mediums I love come together, creative uh, art and, you know, the freedom to, to do whatever you want. Like if you're doing creative client work, you don't get to do what you want. You have to do what the client wants, but game development, you get to do what, you know, whatever you like and building an audience. I love building an audience in the fan base around Armed of Wings. That's, that's my favorite thing. When people on join my discord channel or my forum or Facebook or engage with me and talk about how much they like Armed of Wings or they've played the old flash games and they're happy that there's a new game. That's that's really the driving force. I love I love it to uh, I love growing that, growing the brand and the fan base and just making people happy. That's extremely well put, Daniel. All right, so I think we will move on to our next topic. Yes. You're listening to Pixel Sift. Or you might be watching Pixel Sift on Twitch. Pixel Sift. Yes, so some members of the gaming journalism community have been lucky enough to get a hold of one of the most anticipated gaming consoles to date, the Nintendo Switch. However, regardless of the hype, rumours of poor battery life and an abysmal launch library have even the most diehard Nintendo fans keeping their wallets in their pockets. So, for our final topic today, we ask ourselves, Nintendo Switch, dead on arrival or merely misunderstood? So, if... if Why? (laughs) Not all at once, (laughs) one at a time. Why, Johnny? Go, Mitch. Why? Mitch, you. take it. Okay. So, it says a three-hour battery life, right? I, I mean, I can get uh-huh. probably four hours out of my DS right now. And mm. this Switch is like an HD, like, and it's capable of a lot more than my DS. So, I, I, thought, I thought that was pretty reasonable, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I know. The, the abysmal uh, and poor battery life are not my words, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> this is all paraphrased. Yep. Four to six, <laughs> three to six. Three to six hours, which is, I believe it is pretty decent. Sit there with your stopwatch and, f- and watch the time click down as you're trying to play some uh, some Zelda. I, look, I think the interesting thing about this particular, the, I guess, the criticism of it, and, I, and what I really wanted to sort of discuss is like, why are people so quick to to tear this thing down before they've even got their their hands on it? What is it about Nintendo that uh, attracts so much ire and attracts so much uh, criticism that people, um, you know, don't 
don't want to do it. I think it's just that Nintendo so often comes so close to being amazingly just brilliant, but miss the mark kind of constantly. And especially after the whole Wii U thing, <laughs> let down, I guess, and poor marketing, etc. Um, you know, the Nintendo Switch came out of the, you know, the doors blazing and everyone thought it was amazing. So, like I said, there was a lot of hype. And now we're getting closer to launch and they, there's a lot of stuff they still haven't, like, released, especially this close. You know, we should know more. And it leaves people with doubts because of their, you know, their poor track record with these sort of things, I think. The last well, really I- good success, I think, was probably the Wii. And if you, if you don't include the DS and their fantastic handhold, handheld records... Mm. Well, look, uh, you know, Drofna on Twitch has got the definitive answer for you, Scott. Uh, the Nintendo Switch, it's dead or dead on arrival. No hype. No hype at all. It's dead on, on arrival. So, yeah. Well, if you, if, if you talk about the 3DS, like when the 3DS came out, um, there was uh, like a lot of criticism that came out as it was in people's hands. Like it was really kind of unfinished it didn't have an online store um, a lot of things had to be patched in sort of after the fact um, and it was kind of the people who are your, your biggest fans and I think these are the ones who are kind of getting upset and having more um, sort of cr- criticism of this is that the people who go out there and pre-order it straight away are the ones that are kind of burnt and someone who waits six months to a year uh, gets a more complete package because it's been patched up and, and, and ready to go basically like regarding the media's approach to the Switch, like uh, there's a the CNET senior editor Sheen Hollister, uh, Sean Hollister doesn't like he he made a video about the kickstand on the back of it, and it's pretty much him just knocking the thing over and just being rough with it. And like he's Ow. like he he's treating it like I don't think anything would stay up. No, but to be fair, it's not like that. Yeah, I've read this other places along with the many many other things that are wrong with this, like. The kickstand is apparently quite flimsy and is seems destined to snap off. Um, the both the Joy-Con grip and the Pro Controller like a headphone output, per, output like so it's straight away behind what is the you know the benchmark of consoles. Um, the charging port uh, port is on the bottom of the Switch. Um, you know, there's no HDMI output on the tablet. It's just all these shopping list of disappointments that we kind of come to expect from consoles these days. Do you think this was all started by Xbox by the Xbox One, and when the Xbox One was released in E3, it was like, oh yeah, we're not buying that. <laughs> like, well, the, half the community was just like, no. I think the thing is with this is just that there's so many little things, and this is classic Nintendo that there's so many little things that straight away everybody else can see. Well, that should be different. So it's nothing on its own. Like yeah, the kickstand is not a big deal on its own, but when you add it to all these other things that people can just visibly, well, you know, seemingly visibly see, should be fixed. Together, they kind of create a big lacking. And like I said, there's a lot of information we still don't know. Um, you know, uh, this could be an amazing console. I think if they pull off the virtual console side of things and, you know, if the if the Pro Controller or Second Controller releases are comfortable and workable, uh, you know, if <laughs> if one terabyte DRS, SD cards become cheaper soon, <laughs> uh, you know, it'll be great. There's lots of factors. This is the problem. People want something great out of the box and this is probably not going to be. I, I if feel, you wait, it'll like- be great. They deserve something great out of the box, though. <laughs> but they're not going to get it. And you, you rarely do these, like, especially with something... This is a big change for Nintendo, in a, in a way. So you need to be patient. If you want it to succeed, just wait a little bit. I do feel like they're being punished for being innovative. Yeah, but they're being punished like- before even anything's ever <laughs> happened either, which is... That's true. Yeah. Unfair. 
it's the uh, Minority Report pre-crime division. Uh, get punished before you do anything. Dan, are you going to race out and get a switch tomorrow? Are you going to make the, the midnight uh, launch tonight or something? Oh, I'm totally making the midnight launch. <laughs> I'm going to have it in my hands in approximately four hours. So this is real, not not sarcasm? <laughs> yeah, this is real. This is, well, it's 9 p.m. now, so I've got nine, all of 9, 10, 11... I've got three hours until I, I grab my Switch. Oh, I'm excited for you. I'm stoked. Sweet. You're going to get out there and fight off all the trolls saying it's uh, it's dead on arrival? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for deaths, I'm not going to be playing Zelda. So I assume you're going to a midnight launch, right, of this of the Nintendo Switch? Yes. Yep. Can, can you take some Correct. photos for us and see how many people are there? <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm legit curious how many people will be at this midnight launch. Yeah, I'll take some photos, of, but yeah. I will say I'm not in the city or in a major EB games. I'm going right. to a, 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 like I'm in the suburbs, you know. Like, okay, nice Hit, hitting the straight up burbs. But yeah. I was at I was at the midnight launch for the Wii back in 2006. Yeah, um, wow. and I re- I remember the line. I remember the line, and it was at the same same EB games in in my hood. <laughs> uh, so I'll I'll like see if it was bigger than than what the Wii was in 2006. That'd be well, interesting uh, to find out. Actually, you know, quite interesting. It will be interesting. I think there's a you know the uh, uh, the Wii had such a big broad appeal that so many people who were non gamers were going out and buying them. Uh, but then you've got people who uh, like JC Joker who said that they're a Nintendo fanboy, uh, but only owns the NES through to the nineteen sixty uh, the nineteen sixty four the Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost like nineteen sixty four. I'm exactly the same. I have a NES, Super NES, and sixty four. And as much as I did like the idea of GameCube and Pikmin and um, you know, the you kind say Pigman. Pigman. That was like the only reason <laughs> the I wanted Pig to get Man. A, the, yeah. the, the Hello Pigman. No, that was the, like the main reason I wanted to get a GameCube for that game. Um, but yeah, I also stopped at sixty four because that's kind of when they stopped kicking ass. Uncontent, <laughs> like uh, yeah, undebatably, I feel. Mm-hmm. Well, look, well, um, the yeah, GameCube one- was a hard period to. That was hard to be a Nintendo fan during the GameCube. Tell you what. Sure. It was well, I, I switched to PlayStation well, at that point. I, I didn't understand that people didn't like Super Mario Sunshine. I thought that was a great <laughs> game. And I, apparently it was not. The issue was that not a lot of people got to play it. <laughs> you know, fair. No, but anyway, it's, it's one of these things that, um, you know, there are lots of people out there and I think your most passionate, fan, passionate fans are the most hard to please. Um, and they're the people who have been playing for, for ages and ages and ages. You know, they... Uh, want the next big thing because they're the ones who are so heavily invested and it's always difficult to prove to basically sell it to them because they know what the greatest thing is and they're uh you know not 100 percent of the customer base they're only some portion of the customer base loyal yes but they you may be better off chasing uh you know 50 percent more people who aren't as locked in as um, someone is so anyway anyway I-, I think that's why nintendo goes for broad appeal um because if they were just to double down on gamers and only gamers, I feel like uh, yeah. you know every company every company ha- it gets treated a little bit differently, um, just you know based on what they've done and who they are and how the consumer feels about them. But with Nintendo, people are particularly harsh. Um, I think uh, fair enough because the Wii was a complete flop, a great console, but a complete flop. Um, and so I, I can understand the consumer's point of view and why you know they're very very hard on Nintendo. But at the end of the day, this Switch is a high-powered tablet that plays Breath of the Wild wherever you want. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the, that's the base. It's it's we know that it's 
going to at least do that. And so now it's just give us games. Yeah, and, that's a good point. Um, that's look, what. Yeah. Nobody, look, we know it's gonna, gonna be, not going to be perfect, but it is a tablet that yeah. plays Breath of the Wild. So, you know, yeah. everybody just it's chill. Tablet that plays, yeah, that's right. It's, it's going to be a, a great little thing. It won't play the, like the most cutting edge, but it's going to play quite well, I think. Yep. Anyway, yep. I think we've run to the end of our show. That we have. Thank you for joining us on Pixel Civ. We hope you enjoyed yourself. As usually, putting the links up on our website for everything we talked about today and all of Daniel's work. <clears throat> um, if you can find that all that. That website is Mitch. <laughs> Thank you very much, Johnny. The website is www.pixelsiv.com.au. Mm-hmm. And That's Scott, right. where can people find us on social media? Uh, as always, people, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixelsift, uh, twitter.com forward slash pixelsift, twitch.tv forward slash pixelsift, and youtube.com forward slash pixelsiftau. And we've got stacks of old episodes, heaps of Let's Plays, lots of other bits and pieces, which you can find on iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher. If you're in the US, you can find it on Google Play as well. We're on YouTube. Anywhere that you've got some sort of thing to watch media or listen to media, that's where we will be. Um, I'll just say as well that we've just moved to a, a new format now um, every week. We're still on every week, but um, we're going to do sort of an alternating format between uh, the podcast episodes, which you could get on iTunes and all that sort of thing, uh, which will happen on, on this week. And then the off weeks will be us playing games. Uh, next week, we're going to be playing a game called uh, Death Squared by SMG Studios. And the week afterwards, we'll be talking uh, to some of the developers of that studio, of that game. Um, they're based in Sydney uh, and they'll be joining us. So we'll be playing the game next week. So that's next Thursday night. Um, and we'll be talking to the developers the week after that. Beautiful. Yep. And so while you're on iTunes as well, if you give us a review and a star rating, that would really help us out um, to find our show. Also, yep. Peace out. We will see you next time. See you there. Bye. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. Today's podcast was brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash pixelsiv. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player.